a podcast for two guys explaining things to each other that they should know, but don't. I'm Evan Smith. And I'm Jeff Sims. Jeff, it's so wonderful to be here on this spooky episode. Spooky episode. (laughs) Earlier in the evening, the power went out. It was very spooky. It was a little... When I first got home, we went to Tiffany's parents for supper, as we frequently do on Sunday nights, Mm -hmm. and... uh, all of the houses in my area didn't have the power off. So, but we were driving home and then we drove by the airport and there was like this gas station. And I was like, that's weird. That gas station must be closed, Tiff. It's like mm-hmm. a pretty new gas station. Yep. Didn't even occur to me. Nope. So then we get home and I was like, we left the porch light off. Mm-hmm. Also weird. Yep. Whatever. Go into the house, flick the switch, power's not on. But I was like, but looking around at the street, everyone else is was. I was like, someone cut the power. Yeah, it did freak me out for a second. I bet it did. Yeah. Yeah, I um, when you said your power was gone, I was checking my phone, and I didn't get any notifications that the power was gone for like the home security system. Yeah, but then out of nowhere, it mine dropped. Yeah, and I drove back to my house because I had the two dogs, and mm-hmm. as I was driving up, all of like um, Portugal Cove Road, Newfoundland Drive, it was eerie. It was black, deadpan black. I could not get over it. And then I pulled on to uh, like Bell's Turn and came up, and everybody had power. Yeah, the whole the whole lot had power. Turned down Alice Drive, was coming down. Yeah. All the right-hand side of the street had power. All the left-hand side did not have power. Yeah. And guess what side I was on? Lefty. The left-hand side. So I didn't have power either. Yeah. And I got really excited because I thought we could have a spooky episode. A candlelit episode. Uh, it was Very, romantic or I spooky. Know. <laughs> I know. Much more romantic. It's like, why are there rose petals on the floor? Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days we'll actually tell that story because I think it's a very funny story. It is a good story because um, we've mentioned it now at least three times on this episode, on this podcast. I mean, we could just tell it now, I suppose. Oh, go on, we've set it up. So, I correct me if I'm wrong. I will. So, frequently, like Jeff is uh, uh, the type of friend who's like Jeff is a very good friend of me, but he's also a very good friend of my wife Tiffany. Yes, right, which is like a rare occurrence. Like Catherine and I are good friends, but Catherine and I don't ever hang out just the two of us. No, but you and Tiffany will hang out. Yep. So. One day I came home, and <laughs> I could hear the shower running, but I could also hear a man's voice. Mm-hmm. So like, as I walked up the steps, and I was like, yeah, man, that's definitely the shower running. Tiffany's in the shower, and that's definitely a man's voice. Mm-hmm. So I just got to the top of the steps, and I was like, Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, if someone's going to be like in the bathroom while Tiffany's going to shower, like... I hope it's like Jeff sitting on the toilet, like he's got a problem, and he's just like telling <laughs> Tiffany while she's in the shower, just like about his problem. I was like, that'd be okay, that'd be fine. Not, not Jeff using the bathroom. No, 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 no. no. Sitting, no. sitting with the yeah. toilet closed. Yeah, yeah. But it's funny. What actually was happening was Tiff was watching Grey's Anatomy <laughs> in the bath, like she was in the shower, and the computer was open, and obviously Grey's Anatomy. So yeah. I don't know what was nicer, Evan thinking it was innocent enough that I could have been in there with his wife, or that I sounded like McDreamy. Oh, mm-hmm. and if you did. Would I be okay if you were in there while Tiffany's in the shower? To sound like McDreamy? Yeah. I don't know. Does he have a distinctly sexy voice? <laughs> Not like that. Not like that. Cowboy. <laughs> um, Let's go to look <laughs> I have a couple of correction corners. Oh. Which we haven't had in a while because we no. didn't start the fire. Well, geez, like, here, let me get out my notebook. Let me find all mine. Yes. It was like, we didn't start the... We didn't do we, the research. <laughs> well, it was like we started something, and it wasn't a fire, but it was a headache. I'll tell you that. Mm, go on. Um, so one of the things that I said during <laughs> the We Didn't Take the Fire episode was somebody, I can't remember who, was elected president of some country. 
and he had a running the running guy the running guy good the, yeah the running man yep. the guy running against him opposing him yep. was, his name was Chow Byung and then the letters OK which is obviously Chow Byung Ok or whatever like however you would pronounce it with it sure but I said Chow Byung OK. <laughs> Obviously, it's not okay. As I listened to the episode, I was like, "Why? Why?" And I said it totally straight faced, and, yep. and thought I was like, "Yeah, Chao Chao Byung, okay." Yeah. Nope. No, nope. no, no. That's not how letters work. You don't just say the letters; you just nope. pronounce the syllable. <laughs> that Evan. is not the yeah. So that was one thing. Um, why is payola illegal? That was a hot topic between you and I. Right? Oh, it was right. definitely a, a point of discussion. Payola is banned in radio because airwaves are publicly licensed which makes them subject to government regulation. So in an attempt to keep radio stations as independent as possible from suppliers. Okay. So that's why. So it... It still happens, but it's meant to be, like, you can pay to do your concerts, you can pay to do whatever, but radio waves are actually, like, public... um, Publicly owned. Publicly owned, yeah. That seems silly. I mean, not silly, but, like... Just the messenger. Just the messenger. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, Guy Fox mask. I was like, yes. why does a Guy Fox mask look like that? Yep. It's just kind of what his face looked like. That's literally why. Oh. Um, so it came from the graphic novel V for Vendetta before it was a movie. Sure. Um, they like they used the Guy Fox Guy Fox, Guy Fox. the Guy Fox mask as like that symbol of yep. a, like you know oppressing the government or whatever. Sure. Um, and it, but yeah, it's just that's kind of what his face looks like. He had that sort of mustache and interesting. They just cartoonized him. Yeah. Interesting. And then also I had corned beef. Oh. Because we talked, this is, I think this is three episodes ago. Yeah. But you said something about like a good corn, corn beef fed American. Yeah, corn fed American. <laughs> yeah. Um, corned beef is salt cured brisket of beef. So the term comes from the treatment of the meat, which is large grained rock salt, also called corns of salt. So it's just like meat covered in big old chunks of salt. Mm. Um, sometimes in the US they use sugars and spices as well. Um, but it's a delicacy of the Jewish tradition, which doesn't really seem like it fits into like what you were going for, which is like the southern corn-fed. Yeah, well, that's American. why I didn't say corned beef. I said corn-fed. Well, why did I look up corned beef? Because then we started talking about it afterwards. Oh, yeah, kind of led to it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, there we go. That's all my corrections. Thanks for that. I had a small catalog of things, but I'm not going to go back through them. <laughs> Because I'd rather not share my inadequacies. Oh, they're me. all yours. If, if they were mine, you'd be like, let's go. Let's dive in. <laughs> I do want to share a very small inadequacy, and I am almost fearful to do so, but I will do so. Is I it will mine? Sh- no, I no. will show humility okay. and integrity okay. towards you and to our, towards our friendship. Okay. Uh, I was listening further to Harry, Harry Potter. Potter and the Deathly Hallows. N- and I haven't gone back. I was like, he's, he's going to come back and say he was wrong. I- I'm not going to say I was wrong, but I'm also not going to say I was right. Okay. So. (laughs) I knew this was going to be it. So I was listening to. um, Chapter 26 or whatever it was. No, no. It was later. Uh It was later. And. um, Oh, God. I wish I wrote it down. I mean, the book is on the shelf there, but. Yes. Hold on. Let me find it. Just pause pause the episode. Um, Anyways, it goes back and it says, you don't want what happened to the Malfoys. So it specifically said that something happened to the Malfoys right. in that instance. It did right. not say it still did not say that they were tortured. Right. It still did not say anything else, but it also didn't say that it didn't. Right. So But damn. like a bit of an implication. It was. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. Oh, oh, the Callows. 
Oh yeah, yeah. It was when they were in uh, Ravenclaw's tower. Yeah, and um, oh, they were going to call it. The, they were going to call the dark, dark mark. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Amicus was getting mad, banging mm. on the door, and they were complaining to um, McGonagall. Yep. Yep. I'm trying to remember. It was if it was before the other the the sister got knocked out. I can't remember. Right. Anyways, but they're complaining. Said, "Do you want?" They're banging on the door, saying, "Let me in. Let me in." Do you know what's going to happen to us if you've called the Dark Lord the same? Do you want what happened to the Malfoys? Oh uh, yeah. Which so like must have been bad. Or the same thing as what I mentioned earlier, which is they just got confined to their house. I don't think it's just that. I don't think so. Why would they be so scared? I think it's implied. But that being said, you are very confident in saying that it stated that they were tortured. Yeah, I think I just gathered from the information that. Yeah. 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 Anyways, I'd like to show that. Well, I appreciate that, Jeff. But I was also not wrong. (laughs) It's important to say (laughs) I wasn't right, but also not wrong. No. Um, well, do you want to dive into this Halloween episode? The spooky tale. It's a spooky, spooky tale in Spain and Canada. Is that the new theme song? Maybe. I liked it. Cool. Um, so Halloween, All Hallows Eve, Ooh, if you will. More. All Saints Day as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, all common names for the same celebration of the dead, mm. where children dress up and travel from house to house, chanting trick or treat and demanding candy. How sweet. Those little oh. brats. Brats indeed. Uh, but where did this strange addition come from, you might ask? Or you might ask, hey, Evan and Jeff, please enlighten us with your knowledge and explain. Some spooky tales. Let's dive in. On May 13th, 609 AD, Mm. Pope Boniface IV (laughs) dedicated the Pantheon in Rome. In honor of all Christian martyrs and the Catholic Feast of All Martyrs Day was established in the Western Church. Pope Gregory III later expanded the festival to include all saints as well as all martyrs and moved the observance from May 13th to November the 1st. Mm. By the 9th century, the influence of Christianity had spread into Celtic lands, <laughs> where it gradually blended with and supplanted older Celtic rites. Mm. Supplanted. That's a word I've never said in my life. Well, there you go. <laughs> in 1000 AD, the church made November 2nd All Souls Day, Ooh. a day to honor the dead. It's widely believed today that the church was attempting to replace the Celtic Festival of the Dead with a related church-sanctioned holiday. They want everything for themselves. Did they? Yep. Mm-hmm. All Souls Day was celebrated similarly to Samhain with, <coughs> sorry, uh, with big bonfires, parades, and dressing up in costumes as saints, angels, and devils. Mm-hmm. The All Saints Day celebration was also known. It was also called, sorry, All Hallows or All Hallowmas. 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 The night before it, the traditional night of Samhain in the Celtic region began to be called uh, began to be called All Hallows Eve, and eventually Halloween, as we know it today. Mm-hmm. The celebration of Halloween was extremely limited in colonial New England because of the rigid Protestant belief systems there. Halloween was much more common in Maryland. Mm. Southern colonies. Indeed. As the beliefs and customs of different European ethnic groups and the Native Americans meshed together, a distinctly American version of Halloween began to emerge. The first celebrations included play parties, uh, which were public events held to celebrate the harvest. Neighbors would share stories of the dead, tell each other's fortunes, dance, and sing. Share stories of the dead, like one time Poppy carried a fridge on his back from, like, Mary's town to Carboneer. Like, that kind of, like... 
I, I or hope, like spooky stories. I, no, no, no. I just hope like it was just like telling stories of, of people who have passed. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, in celebration of those who have right. died. Yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, borrowing from European traditions, Americans began to dress up in costumes and go house to house asking for food or money. <laughs> Similar to what Evan and I do now. <laughs> oh, I have sort of a good story about that today. What about going around begging for food and money? No, someone else begging for food and money and me giving it to them. Um, <laughs> I had to meet... Somebody for a meeting today on Harvey Road at the Tim Hortons. Yeah. And I get there and it is just like I'm telling you, there was nowhere to sit, and every person in there was like homeless or like yeah, yeah, that, yeah. you know in need. In yeah, very much in need. Um but before I even got in there, a guy approached my vehicle and uh I was like, I don't think I have any change, buddy. But like I was in Tiffany's car and I don't know what's it. So I like open up stuff. I was like, and I found a nickel. I was like, this feels insulting, but here's a nickel. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I literally don't have any cash on me or anything. After was, inflation, that's no better than a penny. Right. <laughs> so I was like, do you like, what do you want? A coffee or something? I was like, I'm going in. And he was like, French vanilla. I was like, come on back. I'll get you a French vanilla. That's nice of you. So I go in. <laughs> well, Until you get in there and no. he goes, actually, while we're in here, can I get a turkey <laughs> breast with bacon, no tomato. So then I, I were almost at the door and I'm like, forgot my mask. I got to go back to the car. So he goes on in. I was like, I'll meet you in a second. Go back, get my mask. Go in, and when I walk in, it's chinched, and there's nowhere to sit. So I have to call Sheila and be like, we can't meet here. There's nowhere to sit. So And there's a lineup. So I was like, now I'm in this lineup. The guy's standing with me, <laughs> and I'm like, I have to leave. I can't stand in this lineup because I'll be late for the meeting. No. But I also can't leave because oh, I told because him told that I was going to get him a coffee, no. and, I only had a, and I only had my visa. So I was like, I can't. There's nothing I could do. So I was like, then I realized... I do have cash because I just had a rehearsal where somebody paid me 60 bucks. Oh. Three twenties. You did not give him a $20 bill, Evan. So I was standing there. I was like, there's no way out of the situation. No. I can't give him a 20. No. And also I can't walk away because I told him I'd give him a coffee. No. So what did I do? Gave him a 20. I was like, here, buddy, buy yourself some lunch. Buy a couple of your friends a coffee. What did he do? Took the 20 and left. Booked it. You st- booked it. As I was walking out after him, I was like, okay, uh, have a great day. He's like, yeah, thanks very much. And I was like, well, he's buying cigarettes and drugs. I know, but I can't solve that. And it's also a, you know, it's a thing. And if I mean, yeah. good for you. Yeah. You got plenty. Anyway, well, I, was, I mean, he would have taken the coffee. He came in with me. Do you know what? You went to give him a treat. And he gave you the trick. <laughs> I don't know. But I got stuck in a tricky situation. I'll tell you Didn't that. You? Anyway, uh, so oh. they were asking for food money at the door, a practice that eventually became today's trick or treat tradition. Young women believe that on Halloween they should dress up as porn stars. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, that they could divide the name or appearance of their future husband by ooh by doing tricks with yarn, apple parings, or mirrors. Ooh. By the 1920s and the 1930s, Halloween had become a secular and community holiday, with parades and town-wide Halloween parties as the featured entertainment. It quickly grew into what we now know today as All Hallows' Eve. Yes. Yes. So today's episode, we are going to dive in and tell you a couple of spooky uh, Halloween characters. Characters, characters, if you will. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Important figures in Halloween um, tradition, we'll call it. Yeah. And why they're spooky, why they're scary, and kind of where it all came where, from. What are the origin stories? The oranges and bananas are the yeah, stories. Yeah. Yes, yes. So I'm going to dive in. Please do. We're starting with... Mummies. Your favorite. My fa- Well, it's, it's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. Um, so, obviously, Evan, a mummy is a dead human. Yep. Or an animal. Yep. Whose soft tissues and organs have been preserved. Or animal. Or animal. Oh. Yep. 
that have been pres- I don't know if I mentioned this like later. Like mummified. Anything can be mummified, I guess. Yeah. Exactly. It's the act of yeah. being mummified. Right. But a, a lot of animals were actually mummified. And they buried were like sacred? With, um, what? They were sacred? Like buried some were with sacred, their, but also right. some were actually buried like with the person. Right. Which kind of leads me to believe like, they didn't both die at the same time. Right. Or it's like, if you died and like, if your owner died, we're like, well, let's kill the cat. That's what We're I not going to take him up. No. Right. Oh, mm. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't. It doesn't. Doesn't yeah. feel well. No, it doesn't. No. Um, so they've been preserved by either intentional or accidental exposure to chemicals, extreme cold, very low humidity, or lack of air, so that the recovered body does not decay further if kept in cool and dry conditions. Okay. So some authorities restrict the use of the term to bodies deliberately embalmed with chemicals, but the use of the word to cover accidentally um, bodies or anything that goes back at least between 1615 AD. Okay. Yeah. So uh, people think of mummy as like like wrapped toilet in robe. paper. Yeah, to- toilet paper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, toilet yeah. paper. Yeah. Um, but it's actually just the act of anything being preserved. Okay. Yeah. Um, so embalmed being preserved. Well, yes, but like unintentionally as well. So like if someone were to somehow die in an air trapped area and their bodies were completely preserved with no toilet paper oh, I see and they were saying. not embalmed or like, they are considered mummies right somehow like you got covered in like like volca- volcano residue what's it called <laughs> no no you're right no no you're right it's volcano <laughs> residue magma <laughs> is it magma magmar no i'm mistaken magmar the pokemon magmar <laughs> What is it called? It's it's um you can't say lava. Molten lava. But you wouldn't get covered in it, it would just burn you alive, right? I mean you would definitely you would catch fire and burn. Right. It wouldn't just cover you and mummify you. No. Okay. No. So a poor example regardless. Y- yes. Okay. You are closer with toilet paper. <laughs> I was closer with volcanic residue. <laughs> yeah. Uh mummies of humans and animals have been found on almost every continent. Both as a result of natural preservation through unusual conditions, such as uh, toilet paper and uh, other things, and as a cultural artifact. Uh, Over one million animal mummies have been found in Egypt, many of which are cats. Many of the Egyptian animal mummies are sacred ibis. Ibis? I-B-I-S. Ibis. That's a bad disease to have, IBS. That's probably what the cats died from, was it? Ibis. And radiocarbon dating suggests that Egyptian Ibis mummies that have been analyzed were from time frame that falls between approximately 450 and 250 BCE. Okay. In addition to the mummies of ancient Egypt... um, Deliberate mummification was a feature of several ancient cultures in areas of America, Asia, and very dry climates. Uh, the spirit cave mummies of Fallen Nevada in North America were uh, accurately dated at more than 9,400 years old. Before this discovery, the oldest known deliberate mummy was a child, one of Chinchorro mummies found in Camarones Valley, Chile, which dates around 5050 BCE. Which is oh, old. It's like yeah. seven thousand years ago. Yeah. The oldest known naturally mummified human corpse is a severed head, dated as six thousand years old, found in nineteen thirty-six AD at the site named Inca uh, Cherva Number Four in South America. They mummified just the head. It was an accident. Oh. Yeah. Naturally mummified. I see. Yep. So the head just somehow made it through. 
The preservation. <laughs> you made it through the wilderness. Uh, the preservation of the dead had a profound effect on ancient Egyptian religion. Mummification was an integral part of the rituals for the dead, beginning as early as the Second Dynasty. Egyptians saw the preservation of the body after death as an important step to living well in the afterlife. Uh, as Egypt gained more prosperity, burial practices became a status symbol for the wealthy as well. This cultural hierarchy led to the creation of elaborate tombs and more sophisticated methods of embalming. Remember right. my last episode about pyramids? How yes. they used to get buried in those little things. Yeah. Through various methods of study uh, over many decades, modern Egyptologists now have an accurate understanding of how mummification was achieved in ancient Egypt. Okay. So here comes a little disclaimer, a sensor alert. She about to get gory. Okay. So real, hang on real tight, gory. children. Yep. Okay. This is your fair warning. Yeah. Actually, it's not that bad, but just in case. First, the brain was removed from the cranium through the nose. I've heard of this. The gray matter was discarded. Modern mummy excavations have shown that instead of an iron Ugh. hook inserted through the nose and then pulled out. Instead of? Instead of. Okay. They would shove an iron rod up there and they would liquefy the brain via the cranium, uh, which was then drained out of the nose. They would like, like scrambled eggs. There's a hot iron. Uh-huh. And well, they had also used certain chemicals in there to help liquefy the brain, just like shake it around and then let it drain out through the nose. Mm-hmm. I go on. I can't, I can't comment on that. No, the embalmers then rinsed the skull with certain drugs that mostly cleared any residue of brain tissue and also had the effect of killing bacteria because it would rot otherwise. Uh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next, the embalmer would cut an incision near the abdomen and remove all of the major organs. They were then placed in canopic jars, which were often clay jars. The canopic jars uh, were four in number, right? <laughs> each for the safekeeping of particular human organs, the stomach, intestines, lungs, and liver, all of which, it was believed, would be needed in the afterlife. There were no jars for the heart. The Egyptians left the heart and believed it to be the seat of the soul. Okay. So it was left inside the body. Right. What do they do with these jars with the organs in them? They buried them with the person. I see. Oh, Uh, when you go to the afterlife, you need them to take them with you. Exactly. Can't leave them in, you know. No. No, no, gotta take them out. Take them out. Take them out. They got to be carry-on baggage. I was going to say, you got to check those in. It's an extra $60. (laughs) Yeah, honest to God. (laughs) They don't fit in the little carousel. Mm. Yeah. Uh, By the late 18th dynasty, Canopic jars had come to feature the four sons of Horus. Okay. Happy, the bamboon-headed god representing the north, whose jar contained the lungs and was protected by the goddess Nephtysis. Happy is often used interchangeably with the Nile god, though they are actually different gods. Okay. Uh, Duamputef. Uh, Duamputef. Sure. The jackal-headed <laughs> god representing the east, whose jar contained the stomach. Okay. Uh, Imseti, the human-headed god representing the south, whose jar contained the liver. And uh, Kebesenuf, the falcon-headed god representing the West, whose jar contained the intestines. Gross. Exactly. The abdominal cavity was then rinsed with palm wine uh, and an infusion. What a waste! Uh, and was crushed and um, sorry, and an infusion of crust, fragment, herbs, and spices. The cavity was then filled with these, included myrrh, cassia, and uh, other things. Other sorts of spices, except frankincense, which 
I'm like, thanks for that. Yeah. Like <laughs> salt, <laughs> pepper, cumin, right. honey, yes. you know. Bit of, bit just of curry. not frankincense. If you, if yeah. you can handle it. Well, it doesn't matter. Your stomach's not in there, so you're not going to get indigestion. No. But uh, <laughs> that's so weird. You know you're bougie when when you die, they fill you with expensive stuff. Mm-hmm. They take out your organs and put more expensive things in there. <laughs> yeah. I want some of the A&W home seasoning. <laughs> yeah, seasoning yeah. salt. Uh, the body was further dehydrated by being placed in natron, which is a naturally occurring salt, for 70 days. Okay. It would just sit in this mountain of salt for 70 days. Um, some people insist that the body did not stay in the natron longer than 70 days. Any shorter time in the body is not completely dehydrated. Any longer in the body is too stiff to move into position for the wrapping. So literally exactly 70 days. 525,000. 70 days salt. <laughs> the embalmers then wash the body off and wrap it with linen bandages, otherwise known as toilet paper. The bandages were covered with a gum, uh, double bubble, uh, <laughs> that modern research has shown is both waterproofing agent and an act, uh, antimicrobial agent. Okay. At this point, the body was given back to the family. These perfect mummies were then placed in wooden cases uh, that were human-shaped. Uh, richer people were obviously uh, placed in wooden cases in stone sarcophagi. I love that sarcophagi. Oh, yeah, very good. Uh, that uh, provided further protection. Mummies have been the protagonists in books and films since 1903, when Bram Stoker, yep, the guy who invented Dracula, wrote The Jewel of Seven Stars. A Hollywood and pop culture's use of horror films truly set the tone for mummies being used in today's Halloween setting. Oh. I believe that the icing on the take cake comes from uh, the mummies itself. Ignoring that while still preserved in museums, they are absolutely horrifying to look at Yes, uh, and can easily be imagined as a scary ghoul. The inscriptions on some of the tombs are what kind of seal the deal. Translation from early coffin texts inform us that the spirit of the deceased will occasionally return to the body. Okay. Most people, if they had wealth, would place many objects either in the sarcophagus or within the tomb itself if they were rich enough. Right. Um... Many pharaohs would leave treasures and gold with their tomb. People obviously knew this, uh, and grave robbers were a serious concern, similar to my other episode about pyramids. Uh, They would leave inscriptions and curses on the tomb in hopes of scaring people away from ever entering. Right. Pop culture insists that a lot of these ancient Egyptian tombs were booby-trapped as well. But on that note, what's the point of being buried with your... With, it's a. It, they have a very strong belief in the afterlife. So you need to take your expensive take, shit with you. Yeah, or like you'll get almost, there and you'll be a poor. Ex, yeah, ex, exactly. Right. Kind of the exact opposite of what we. What, what. You all right? Are you? Cool. <laughs> like the expression. Well, by that's a good joke to make as we're in a four by four cubicle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the power just went out. Yeah, pandemic all over again. Yeah, uh, but it's kind of the opposite of what we think now. Like the expression of "well, boy, you can take it with you." They think they think you can literally right. take well, it with you. You can take it with you. So <laughs> yeah. don't be giving grandchildren fifty bucks on the weekends. Mm, honest to God, for their no. birthday. No. Um, so they would leave their gold in their tomb. They were afraid of grave, robber, grave okay. robbers. Uh, so pop culture insists that a lot of these ancient Egyptian tombs were booby-trapped. The curses and inscriptions uh, would call for pestilence, misfortune, fire, flooding, and of course, death to anyone who entered or disturbed the resting. Right. This quickly transformed into the wide-known curse that if the mummy were to be d- disturbed, they would awaken and take over the world. The, the, All of the mummies, or that just specific? that particular mummy would awaken and take over the world. Yeah, that one mummy. 
If you were to awaken it. How are they going to do that? Exact, Evan, I don't know. Sometimes in a musical. <laughs> I know, but that's a bad musical. Yeah, but there were, there were some pretty bad musicals. A little fact. Yeah. So all this combined kind of leads to why today mummies are what they are. Okay. They're super scary and disgusting to look at, and yep. the story behind them is also disgusting. Right. And it leads to lots of curses and tales and kind of touches yeah. into the tone of Halloween. You don't want to see what's behind the toilet paper. No. no. So now let's play. Two truths and a lie. Ooh, Jeff, fun. Fun, fun, fun. Okay. Yeah, so I'm going to tell three instances of mummy encounters, and you have to tell me which ones are truth and which one's a lie. Mummy encounters. Yes. Okay. One instant tales back to the financial backer of one of the most famous Egyptian archaeologists, Howard Carter, Lord Carnarvon, uh, who financed Carter's digs in Egypt up until the intact tomb of King or Pharaoh uh, Tut or Tutankhamun. Okay. Yeah, uh, which was discovered in 1922. Uh, there were rumors of a curse placed on the tomb to protect the pharaoh's eternal rest. But the men opened the tomb anyway. Just four short months after Lord Carnarvon died, not only did he die, but the radiologist who looked at the uh, sarcophagus also died. More than 20 others connected to King Tut would follow them to the grave. Dun-dun-dun! Okay. Instance number two. Another instance speaks of a custodian of a museum who was noted as speaking ill of the high priest Imhotep, Imhotep, the chancellor and high priest and finance counselor to Pharaoh Amenophis. Amenophis. It sounded like you said piss face there for a second. (laughs) Amenophis. Amenophis the Magnificent. Oh. Yeah. Uh, He would often be caught insulting Imhotep, claiming his sarcophagus was small and he had (laughs) less value than other notable people in the museum. Don't say that about other guys. Yeah, that's just me. You got a small sarcophagus. It's not the size that matters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was warned of Emotep's rage and cursed by other employees until, to everyone's disbelief, the custodian actually won the lottery, roughly around $12.2 million. Sure, right. Million pounds. Uh, he laughed at the rest of the museum staff and quit his job. Him and his wife then left the UK and traveled abroad. Within two and a half years later, his wife then divorced him. He claimed bankruptcy, lost all of his assets, and was worse off, financially, than he ever was before the lottery. He later died of an infection that doctors could not contain quickly enough. At his funeral, the museum staff blamed the high priest Imhotep for bringing bad financial luck and an untimely death to the young custodian. Many people simply believe that the custodian was naive and frivolous with his money. His marriage was unstable, as it was, and he lived a very unhealthy lifestyle. Okay. Number three, there was one mummy that caused the museum so much unfortunate turmoil and unluck that they decided to sell the mummy to a museum in New York. On its travels across the ocean, it took the lives of over 1,500 people as it sank the ship. The famous ship was the Titanic. Okay. So just as quick, quick recaps. There was the instance of the financial backer and all the famous yes. people who opened up the That thing. is definitely the plot of a movie. Whether it's true or not, it happens in a movie. Where, like, there's some sort of infection. It, it's, it's some sort of, once they open it, there is, like, some sort of bacteria in it where anyone who's near it gets, keeps getting sick. Sure. That I've definitely heard of before. Whether it's true or whether it's a movie plot. Yeah, whether I made it up. Oh, so it can't be a movie plot. No, I, no, no, no. Okay, first off, mummies aren't real. Like, no, I know that. I made one of those three things up. The other ones could be movie plots. 
Is that Maybe, what you're yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, or, okay. Or so, actual, no, 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 or actual, like, noted things that could have happened once. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's those people. There is the uh, custodian and then the Titanic. I mean, I've never heard of the Titanic thing. Mm. But I feel like that was way too short, that you wouldn't have made the short one the one you made up. Because it, or would I? Or would that be the easiest one for me to make up because it was short? I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I think it's the second one. The one of the custodian? Yeah. Good job! Yay! I was like, he's intentionally tripping himself up to fool me up. Yes. You were? I was, yeah. Yay! So there was a mummy in the Titanic. Well, there was said to have been. And when they Ooh. go back and look at the records, there was no mummy stated on the record at all. At all. But the, the museum who transferred it over We're said, like, yeah, oh yeah. yeah, we put it on that ship. Because they didn't have it. And the museum who was supposed to get it didn't have it. But when they checked the actual boat's records, it never made it to the boat. But then the boat sank. Uh, I know, creepy things. Creepy things. Okay. Right, your turn. So then, uh, zombie, 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 eh, eh. A zombie, according to pop culture and folklore, is usually a reawakened corpse. I guess similar to a mummy in a way. I guess. Or someone bitten by said reawakened corpse and hence becomes infected with the zombie virus. Mm. Sort of like cooties in a way. The coronavirus. You know? The coronavirus. Zombies have been a part of horror culture and literature since as early as 1697 in The Undead 18th Century by Linda Troost. Mm. But they were described as spirits or ghosts, not cannibals. Oh. Zombies arrived in the silver screen around the same time as his buds, Frankenstein, Dracula, 1932, with the release of White Zombie. Why gotta be white? Why you gotta be white? Don't know. But the pop culture phenomenon didn't take off until 1968 when Night of the Living Dead, directed by George Romero, acquired a cult following. Over the next 15 years, Romero directed two more zombie films, the original Dawn of the Dead Mm. and the original Day of the Dead. The Day of the Dead? Yep. It's a sequel to Dawn of the Dead. What about Dusk of the Dead? I don't think they got that far. Mm. Uh, Ever since, the horror genre of pop culture has, at times, been dominated by zombies. Yep. I'm talking Zombieland. I'm talking Shaun of the Dead. Mm -hmm. World War Z. Resident Evil. I Am Legend. Uh And that's just the one I recognize as, like, blockbusters. I Am Legend is a phenomenal movie. Will Smith? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great film. Haven't seen it. Oh, Evan is a great film. Okay, we'll watch it. Add it it breaks list. my heart, though. I can't watch it again. Oh. It hurts my heart. Um, zombie things. I even find that with um, Shaun of the Dead, which is like a comedy, but by the end, it's like not a comedy anymore. Well, I mean, let's just be frank, um, or, or Jeff and Evan. Yeah. But like, at the end of a zombie movie, like, they're not going to like... No. There's no coming back from it. No. 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 Uh, you also got TV shows like Santa Clarita Diet. No, bye. Nope. Walking Dead. Yep. Yes, bye, but then no, bye. Yeah. And, of course, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island, which is, that heck is, yeah! Oh, it's <laughs> so good! Thank it's you! so good. I had, I, like, I, I, just 20 seconds. As a child, I loved that movie so much. Mm. And when I used to get sick, I used to watch uh, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Yep. Um, and then I would be looking for that movie. And my parents finally found it, like, like on recently. VHS? Recently, oh, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. On Zombie Island. Great film. Great film. Uh, the concept of the living being frightened of the dead is pretty commonplace, mm-hmm. but it was the ancient Greeks who appeared to begin this fixation and terror. Archaeologists have unearthed ancient graves which contain skeletons pinned down by rocks and other heavy objects. You stay in there now. Holding them bodies down. Yeah. Zombie folklore appears to have begun in Haiti when West African slaves were brought into work on Haiti's sugarcane plantations. As per usual, the slaves were treated horribly and constantly longed for freedom. Mm-hmm. It was hypothesized that the life, or rather 
afterlife <laughs> of a zombie represented the horrid plight of their slavery. Uh. Which sounds to me like old poppy white man got the guilt because he was yeah. an asshole to the other human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also commonplace to practice voodoo in the Haitian culture, as well as the Caribbean, Brazil, American South, and other places with West African heritage. Some people believe zombies have existed and were people revived by a voodoo practitioner known as a bocker. A bocker? Don't even know her. So I was, oh, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> you set me up too Yeah, too it was well. like slow-pitched softball, but somehow I still missed. Yeah. Uh, second of all, bockers have been known to use herbs, shells, fish, animal parts, and bones to create concoctions, including, but not limited to, zombie powders. Can't say I like that sentence And here much. comes a little bit of science. Oh, the, Zomb- the little bit of science. Great. Yeah. Good. Zombie powders contain tetrodotoxin a deadly neurotoxin found in pufferfish and some creepy other shit that lives in the ocean. Great. Used carefully at sublethal doses, the tetrodotoxin combination may cause zombie-like symptoms such as difficulty walking, mental confusion, and respiratory problems. Like, so does copious amounts of alcohol. Absolutely. High doses can actually lead to paralysis and coma, like alcohol, like alcohol, uh, which would cause someone to appear dead, be buried alive. Oh, no thanks. Actual worst fear. No thanks. And then later revived. No, thank you. Strangely enough, some of the folklore and ideas about zombies may actually stem from the Bible. We're not talking hordes of like flesh eating zombies. No, we're talking about infrai. Uh, what? <laughs> infrai. I know what infrai are. Yeah. What does that do with the Bible? You're calling Harry Potter the Bible? Yes. Okay. Come on, get there faster, buddy. Hey, do my best. Mm-hmm. But a lot, uh, a whole lot of these references to bodies being reanimated and resurrected may have inspired myths about zombies. Because there's a lot of that going around in the Bible. A little bit. The book of Ezekiel describes a vision where Ezekiel is dropped in a boneyard. The bones start to shake and become covered with muscle and flesh until they're reanimated. Yet he says, there was no breath in them. No, thank you. Um, the book of Isaiah states... The dead men shall live together with my dead body, shall they arise. Awake and sing, ye that dwell in dust, for thy dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Nope. But know what I love? Bible passages in, like, pop culture, like, movies and stuff. Like, think, like, Pulp Fiction when, like... Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. like, I love that. Well, like, when a, when a Bible passage is used, like, usually by, like, a villain or an evil thing, it's like, oh. It's very chilling it's when very people chilling. use those things very literally. Yeah, it's yep. cool. Uh, more passages in both the Old Testament and New Testament about the resurrection of saints oh. and sinners in the end times, which may be why zombie stories are often linked to the apocalypse. Oh, right. Uh, literary scholar Angela Becerra Verdegard belie- <laughs> believes that mankind's perception of violence took a drastic turn after the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki during World War II. Yes. Such large-scale disasters caused people to fictionalize their deaths on a mass scale and focus on a survival of the fittest, a common theme in zombie movies. Okay. Fun fact. The CDC, Center for Disease Control and Prevention, yeah. went as far as to create a website for zombie preparedness. Stop. Yep, as a joke. But it's now been up for years because it was such a hit that all these people who had never gone to the website before, they got like way more viewers. They left it there and now they've got like all these clever ways of like basically the way you prepare for anything is the same way as they're suggesting this. So they yep. educated people in hazard awareness via their zombie page, which is pretty neat. There's a very small circle of people who are stupid. That's all I have to say about that. There's a very large circle of people who are stupid. Yup. Yeah. That's all. Go on. Oh, that's fun. Thank you. Um, I got to say, uh, zombies in particular, um, 
are a weird one. Yeah. Because, I mean, they're all, like, a lot of these are centered around dead. Yeah. But zombies are, like, the rising of, I don't know. There's something about it that, that kind of yeah. speaks a little. Do you remember, um, was it 2012, the world was supposed to end or whatever, based on uh-huh. some sort of calendar? Yeah. Me and my friends went to, parked outside of a graveyard, like, whatever time they said it was supposed to be. Sounds like a great idea. Yeah, we parked outside a graveyard, and we're like, if this is going to happen, we're about to watch something go down. Mm-hmm. We, like, waited for the clock to tick to, like, 6 p.m. or whatever time it was supposed to be. And, like... We're like weirdly a little bit disappointed. We're like, why? Mm-hmm. Obviously, that isn't the conclusion we wanted, but like, no, would have been exciting in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I get it. Yeah. Anyway. I can get that. Um, vampires. Ooh. Ooh. A vampire is a creature from folklore that subsists by feeding on the vital essence. Uh, generally, in the, f- <laughs> uh, in the form of blood of l- the living. In European folklore, vampires are undead creatures that often visited loved ones and caused mischief or deaths in the neighborhoods they inhabited while they were alive. Mm-hmm. So early folk believed in vampires. Has something been ascribed to the ignorance of the body's process of decomposition? Uh, after death and how people in pre-industrial societies try to rationalize composition of bodies or decomposition of bodies Mm. uh creating the figure of the vampire to explain the mysteries of death Um, okay so like bodies are decomposed and they'd be like why does it look like this why is it dried up why is there no blood like things Uh, like that and they'd be uh, like well obviously must something must be coming in sucking the blood yeah yeah um the charismatic and sophisticated vampire of modern fiction was born in 1819 with the publication of the vampire by the english writer john polidori polidori Polidori. Polidori. <laughs> Polidori. <laughs> Hardly even owns one. <laughs> I didn't know we were going to. I was like, I hope he doesn't say. Don't no. do it all, but Hardly even owns one. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, <laughs> <laughs> the story was highly successful, unlike this one, and arguably the most influential vampire work of the earliest 19th century. Okay. Bram Stoker. Did you say earliest? Early 19th century. The earliest 19th century. Uh, Bram Stoker's 1897 novel, Dracula, is remembered as the quintessential vampire novel and provided the basis of the modern vampire legend. Hmm. Even though it was published after Joseph Sheridan Le Fanu's 1872 novel, Carmilla, the success of this book spawned a distinctive vampire genre still popular in the 21st century. Yep. With books, films, television, shows, video games, etc., etc. The vampire has since become a dominant figure in the horror genre. Cultural practices often arose uh, that were intended to prevent a recently deceased loved one from turning into an undead revenant. So vampires early on were somewhat centered around zombies. Okay. That people thought of like the undead revenant was kind of a combination of a zombie and a vampire. Okay. Later kind of, I guess, from... 20th to 19th century folklore kind of separated the two. Okay. Um... So they would bury a corpse upside down sometimes, was a widespread popular thing. Like face down. Uh, yeah, I get upside down. Well, that, yeah, but not like hanging from their feet. Like upside down as in face down as opposed to face up, right? Would that be upside down? Yeah, but like vertically, instead of, instead of horizontally, they would bury the body vertically with the face facing down, upside down. Oh, oh. Or, or maybe horizontally, but the face facing the ground. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I don't know. 
that would be upside down from how people are normally buried. True. Like full upside down would be like vertical. When I read upside down, I was thinking of like how vampires sleep at night, upside down. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, they would also place objects uh, in their like sickles and stuff like that near the grave to satisfy any demons from entering the body or to appease the dead so that it would not wish to arise from its coffin. Right. This method resembles the ancient Greek practice of placing obelisks in the corpse's mouth to pay the toll to cross the river Styx. Oh. Yeah. Um, they would also uh, put all sorts of different things in there as well, uh, like garlic as a common example, branches of wild rose, hawthorn, um, things like that, mustard seeds on the roof of certain houses to keep them away. Okay. Um, methods of destroying suspected vampires varied with staking, the most commonly cited method. Aspen was also used for stakes, as it was believed that Christ's cross was made from aspen. Ah, very yeah. holy. Decapitation, which is as simple as it sounds. Uh, but they used to often, for people who they would fear who would turn into a vampire, they would cut off the head at death and bury the head next to the feet. Uh, usually behind the buttocks or away from the body. I don't know why they insisted on telling me that. Right. Yeah. I don't know why you insisted on reading it and also telling me. <laughs> yep. Uh, sometimes the vampire's head, body, or clothes could also be spiked and pinned to the earth to prevent it from rising. Weird. Yep. Uh, so tales of supernatural beings consuming the blood or flesh of the living have been found in early, uh, sorry, nearly every uh, culture around the world for many centuries. The term vampire did not exist in ancient times. Blood drinking and similar activities were attributed to demons or spirits who would eat flesh and drink blood. Even the devil was considered synonymous with the vampire. Almost every nation has associated blood drinking with some kind of revenant or demon, in some cases, a deity. Right. During the 18th century, there was a frenzy of vampire sightings in Eastern Europe, with frequent stakings and grave diggings to identify and kill the potential revenants. Uh, even government officials engaged in the hunting and staking of vampires. Despite being called the Age of Enlightenment, uh, during which most uh, folkloric legends were uh, kind of put to bed, well, or brought out of the bed, oh, the belief in vampires insisted dramatically, resulting in a mass hysteria throughout most of Europe. The first to be officially recorded involved the corpse of Peter Bragogovich, uh, who was reported to have died at the age of sixty-two, but allegedly returned after his death, asking his son for food. When the son refused, he was found dead the following day. Um, <laughs> Blagogovich supposedly returned and attacked some neighbors who died from loss of blood. Dun, dun, dun. They died from loss of blood. No, the neighbors died from loss yeah. of blood. Yeah. Weird. They just bled out. Weird. Um, in modern fiction, the vampire today tends to be depicted as suave. Yeah. Uh, charismatic a villain. Despite the general disbelief in vampiric entities, occasional sightings of vampires are reported. In 2006, a physics professor at the University of Central Florida wrote a paper arguing that it is mathematically impossible for vampires to exist based on geometric progression. According to the paper, if the first vampire had appeared on January 1st, 1600... If it fled once a month, if sorry, if it fed once a month, which is less often than what is depicted in films, right? And if every victim turned into a vampire, then within two and a half years, the entire human population of the t of the time would have been become vampires, right? Yeah. yeah, because it's just exponential growth. Exactly. Yeah. Although many cultures have stories about them, vampire bats 
have only been recently become an integral part of the traditional vampire lore. Vampire bats were integrated into vampire folklore. Fork. Lore. Folklore. Folklore. Uh, <laughs> after they were discovered on the South American mainland. Um, similar to bats, or sorry, similar to owls, they're kind of associated with supernatural and okay. omens and stuff like that. And they did the infamous bite with the two-prong bite. The vampire bats do. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Uh, they people, actually, though? Do they bite people? N- like, not even really. Oh, okay. They're just completely... Well, when they bite their prey, it does that. It's like yeah. two, two-prong yeah. kind okay. of thing, right? Um. So, vampires have been transformed over the last century due to pop culture, literature, and horror films. They went from being the undead grave risers to sparkly pale teen hearthrobs. Oh, yeah. At each generation, as each generation gets their hands on the vampire, it focuses on different parts of the satanic creature. Dracula being the father, or first official vampire, had dealings directly with the devil. Lucifer, the ultimate deceiver, would trick and meddle his way into people's lives and hearts. Therefore, vampires took on the role of physically enticing, suave, and charismatic. Mm. This would lead to them only being allowed into people's homes if they were invited. Right. Many movies doubled down on certain characteristics such as pale skin, black coats, sunlight killing them, etc., etc. This made them a very obvious an attractive pop culture Halloween creature. Yeah, because they're as a as a writer or director, it's like it's easier to have a few limits of like mm-hmm. okay, here's here the plot it's driven by they can't be in the light they can't be whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it, it kind of just built in, and I think each one of these figures they have their backstory, but then they just in the twentieth century people just take them, yeah, and they just run with them, yeah. Right? Uh, shall we play? Two truths and a lie. Oh, this is consistent? Yeah. Oh, fun. Yep. So I got two two truths and a lie. Two Ready? two truths and a lie. Uh, no, I have a two truths and a lie. Oh, okay. Okay. Vampires were often associated with arithmomania. Similar Chinese narratives state that if a vampiric being came across a sack of rice, it would have to count every single grain. They often laid rice bags in front of grapes. They did this to distract the vampire and keep it occupied all night long instead of attacking and killing members of their community. Okay. Next statement. Mary Shelley, the writer of Frankenstein, was noted as saying, after completing her book, that she actually intended on writing a novel about vampires. She was quoted. I dreamt many a times as a young girl of interactions with a vampire. I wanted to retell the tale, but feared if I revisited the experience, it would invite further episodes with the vampire. I could not dare invite that demon back into my life. Okay, Mary Shelley. Mm-hmm. Third one. Many rituals were used to identify a vampire. One method of finding a vampire's grave involved leading a virgin boy through a graveyard or church grounds on a virgin stallion. Oh, my neck. <laughs> the, um, it just tweaked. Speaking of not a virgin stallion. <laughs> oh, God, I'm getting oh. old. <laughs> oh, my neck. Oh, the old I'm sitting here. Yeah. Uh, of, of church grounds on a virgin stallion. Mm. The horse would supposedly balk at the grave in question. Generally, a black horse was required, although in Albania, it should be white. Holes appearing in the earth over a grave were taken as a sign of vampirism. Mm-hmm. One, the yeah, Chinese the rice. rice. Yeah. Two, Mary Shelley, the rite of Frankenstein. Yeah. Or three, having a virgin boy and a virgin horse identify the graves of known vampires. The most obvious one it seems like you would make up would be the rice one. But because it's so out there, I'm like, that's probably true. 
and it's probably mm. a decoy. Yeah, it'd be a good decoy. Yeah. Decoy. Decoy. Mary Shelley. They're all very specific. They're very, very specific. Yeah. My gut says number three. Number three being the ritual of the virgin boy and the virgin horse. Yeah. That's true. That is true. Yeah. It was the, the rice. No, the rice is also true. Oh. Mary Shelley. Well done. Thank you. Mary Shelley actually did write Frankenstein. She had, as far as right. I'm concerned, zero intentions about writing a book about uh, vampires. Oh, I like the narrative, but I don't want to invite that back into my life. Yeah. I could hear it in Mary's voice. <laughs> well, you heard it in my voice. <laughs> oh, God, that's good. I like that. Um, have you, is, it, is it 28 Days Later that's the one with the vampires? It is, yeah. That's a great no, 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 movie. No, 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 28 Days Later is zombies. Oh. It's, a- and it's not even zombies. It's kind of this, like pandemic yes of like people dying and they turn to like rabid yes okay things. that's not what i'm thinking of it's like there's a number in the title it's like 30 30 nights or it doesn't matter but it's a x if you haven't seen it we must watch it like this halloween great vampire movie blade oh yeah 10 yeah. out of 10 yeah great great yeah this film. is this one's very good i 30, nights, 30 Days of Darkness or something? I can't remember. Yeah. Anyway, they're up north, and like it literally is 30 Days of Darkness or something. Oh, and that's, so what, like, oh yeah, so they, that's when the vampires are out. Right, because uh-huh. they can be out day and, day and night. There's, yeah. no, dark, or there's uh-huh. no light. Um, anyway, werewolves. <laughs> so this one gets heavy. Ooh. But it's Halloween, so we're due for some gruesomeness, uh. right? Because you're going to get it. You're going to get it. Yeah. Great so werewolves. Back. What do we know? Man to beast, or something in between, you know? Of wolf and man. Of wolf and man. Full moons typically involved. Yep. Um, and bloodthirsty, typically. Mm-hmm. Um, when would you think the earliest signs of werewolves in history of pop culture came up? Pop culture, or, or like or, in the history of... Oh, of, yeah, okay, history, I should, I should uh, say. I'm going to bring it back to about 600 uh, BCE. 2100 BC. Wow. Yeah. Before Christ or before Common Era? Does it matter? Well, are we going to be politically correct? Yes. BCE. The Epic of Gilgamesh. Oh. Circa, circa 2100 BCE. Can we write a song called The Epic of Bilgamesh? Bilgamesh? Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh. Well, the Epic of Gilgamesh. <laughs> no, it has to be a Newfoundland like waltz. Well, the Epic of <laughs> This is the earliest surviving great work of literature. Uh huh. Like it exists. Uh, the important word there, I think, is great, though. Like, there's probably, like, loads of other garbage literature. Yes, this absolutely. This is the earliest great work, right? Absolutely. Um, it's the second oldest religious text. It's five poems about Gilgamesh, king of Uruk. Ooh. These stories were used in a large combined epic, and they have got the two-thirds of the 12 stone tablets. Stone tablets! They have them! They are great! Nope, just like archaeologists have the tablets, is my point. Yeah. From 2100 BCE. Just words written on a rock. Right on a rock. But they're like really like tiny little words. Like there's a lot on there. Anyway, and they've learned how to read whatever language it's in. Uh, from 1800 BC, they just found them in the ruins of an old library. Um, from 700, uh, uh, at 700 BC, there was like this library where they had all the old stuff. Mm-hmm. And they found them in that library. Just like on a shelf, a little bit of dust on them. It's Wipe that off, sign it out with the library, and get Libby on the go. Um, So Cole's notes of the Epic of Gilgamesh. Ishtar, the goddess of fertility, love, war, and sex, so she's busy, Mm -hmm. uh, is into Gilgamesh, who is a god king. 
which I think just means like he can hang out with the gods. He's not a god, but like he can chill with them. Sort of like the whole Paris thing where like the gods visit Paris and like, which one of us is better? Yeah. Or whatever. Like that. Um, so he can like go to their parties or whatever. Yep. Um, so she flirts with Gilgi, but he rejects Gilgi. her because he's seen how she's treated her past suitors. For example, one uh, shepherd had fallen in love with her. He left her a bunch of like bougie stuff at a shrine, which she's like, she encourages it. Keep that up, buddy. But eventually just gets bored and turns him into a wolf. And then he gets torn to bits by his own dogs. The dogs attack a wolf? Uh-huh. And somehow win? Yeah. Well, he, he wasn't used to being a wolf. It was his first day as a wolf. Oh, uh, so right? he's still trying to find his legs. Yeah, yeah, his yeah. sea legs. He was like leg. Bambi. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. It was he was on the ice. Imagine if um, I went and turned into a werewolf, how Benny how Benny would do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so like sort of werewolfy, but like mostly just a guy gets magically transformed into a wolf by a sexy gold digger. You know what I mean? Yeah. So similarly, in one telling of the legend of Lacaon, uh I say one telling because the older the story, the versions are the it's like a very like broken telephone situation. Like there's like Wikipedia's like, and here are all the other things of, of the same story. I'm like so I'm going to go with this one because it suits what I'm talking about better. Yeah, absolutely. Why um, let the truth get in the way of a good tale? Exactly. So Lacan angered Zeus when he served him a meal made from the remains of his own son. Oh. Lacan had 50 sons and used one to pay tribute with human sacrifice. I mean, if you had 50 of them. I guess. A common practice in Arcadia was um, human sacrifice, as were ancient cannibalistic practices. But Lacan says to his brother, let's serve the sacrificed boy at dinner to Zeus in order to see if Zeus really is all-knowing. It's like a test, right? Oh. Well, Zeus was all-knowing. Wasn't he? Zeus lost his marbles and started throwing lightning bolts left, right, and center. Some Italians say that he killed everyone who was present at the murder of the young boy. Others say he turned Lacan and his sons into wolves. Some believe that this began the lineage of the werewolf. Lacan and his sons are the first of that family tree, and all of the werewolves since then are descendants of these. Wow. Where much of the real-life sightings or tellings of werewolves seem to stem is from early Nordic folklore in the Saga of the Volsungs. Don't these sound so good? I love it. Uh, This tells the story of a father and son who discovered wolf pelts that had the power to turn people into wolves for 10 days. Do you mean pelts as in, like, poop? No, pelts as in like uh, their their I guess a dead wolf, and they just like cut it open and throw it on like a like they would wear like a like a jacket like a bear coat would like a Vikings would wear like a bear pelt oh, as okay. a you know, that that's a pelt. Sure. Um, they so they throw them on. They're like free coats, became wolves, and they go on a killing rampage, which ends when the father attacks the son, causing a lethal wound. Oh. And then somehow he gets saved by like a crow's feather or something. I didn't go into that. Yeah, that sounds a little bit too much bullshit for me. Yeah. Let's just leave it at them turning into wolves for 10 days. Exactly. Come on now. So obviously a lot of this is out there. But the act of wearing wolf pelts is actually pretty likely by some tribes of druids. There's an ancient Greek tribe said to become wolves during a period of the year. But some signs are like, no, 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 it was winter. You saw them from a distance, other tribe, wearing wolf pelts or other animal pelts because it's cold and they killed a wolf and put the skin on or the fur or whatever and, <laughs> that's a different uh, and you're like you saw them like they're part beast yeah it's just a nice jacket just well, a nice jacket is that what they say about us yep Walking around like, Ooh, what a beast yeah, yeah. and yet there are some infamous infamous mm-hmm. werewolves not so long ago and here's the gruesome alert we haven't hit the gruesome alert yet oh no throughout history there are quite a few serial killers who are considered to be werewolves Mm. Actual serial killers. 
1521, Pierre Burgot and Michel Verdun allegedly swore allegiance to the devil and claimed to have an ointment that turned them into wolves. They confessed to brutally murdering several children and were burned at the stake. Gilles Garnier, don't know what's up with all the Frenchmen. Mm. He was known as the werewolf of Dole. Um, he also claimed to have an ointment with wolf morphine abilities. I mean, it would be super cool if you could have that, but didn't get like the murder. Like basically, you'd be an animagus. Yeah. If you didn't get the whole you like rage, yeah, you just yeah, chose, you it, chose but you, it. Yeah, you didn't become a wolf. You're just like, I'm now a wolf, but I can run around. Like, imagine yeah, what fun we'd have with yeah. Ruby and Benny. Yeah. You and me turn into wolves and it's like, bias, let's go for a walk. Scared of living shit out of them, the two of them gone. Yeah, seriously. Um, but that's just sort of me trying to make it light now talking about that because according to legend, Garnier viciously killed and ate children. Great. Uh, he was also burned at the stake. Please. It's unclear whether these men were mentally ill or if this ointment that um, they all ha- seemed to have was sort of a hallucinogenic substance. I was going to say, like, that's, yeah. what, I was, that's yeah. what I was going to... Yeah. Or they were just murderers. I'm yep. thinking a little bit of all three. Yep. Uh, but of course, to superstitious Europeans of the 16th century, with little to no understanding of such things, such heinous crimes could only be committed by a horrific beast. So they had to, like, just criminalize these people. Like, not even criminalize, but, like, monster them up. Because, like, how could a human do that to other humans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're yeah, a yeah, werewolf, yeah. we can believe it. Yep. Right? In many werewolf stories, it is presented as more of a curse and that a perfectly normal man turns into a werewolf when there's a full moon. Lupin. And this is actually a topic we wanted to look at in the future with the full moon thing. Mm-hmm. There is scientific evidence that full moons do bring out the beast in many humans. Or just make them super weird. Yep. Uh, and for the first time ever on the podcast, I have a real theory that I have come up with. And here's why I think this. Because Tiffany gets weird during full moons. Okay. And I rationalize it by, like, the moon controls tides. Yes. Like, 70% of our body is water. Okay. So when the moon is full... Okay. It like the water in your body gets thrown, and therefore you become wacky. That's my scientific theory. Okay. That's all. Do we want to dive into that no, no, right no. now? No, okay. no, no. Moving, moving, moving forward. Moving on. Uh, yeah. A study found that of the 91 violent acute behavior incidents at a hospital between August 2008 and July 2009, 23% happened during a full moon. Ooh. Which didn't seem like a crazy number. Like no, but 23 is definitely more than not. Well, yeah. I mean, it was presented like a crazy statistic. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to do some math. So a full moon happens roughly once a month, 29.5 days. Um, and August to July is a year, so 365 days. So for a good even number, like there's one full moon a month, 12 days out of 365 is 3%. So a quarter of all violent crime happened during 3% of the year. Which that's actually a lot. is significant. No, that's, that's a lot. Right? That's a lot. Yeah. So that's a weird statistic. Now, again, they're like, July, this one to this one. It's like, what about the next July, August? Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Let's yeah. see Let's get some year-over-year year results. Yeah. Let's see if we have some corporate growth. Yeah. But it's still kind of crazy. Uh-huh. Uh, we now know that the werewolf phenomenon can likely be explained medically. In 1725, this also sucks, Peter the Wild Boy was a boy found naked in the woods who walked in all fours. He ate with his hands and couldn't speak. He was thought to have been raised by wolves. The courts of King George I and II adopted him, which sounds nice, but they kept him as a pet. Uh, they don't try to domesticate him, which like maybe is actually more right. They just let him be the weird wolf boy that he is, um, but it's still pretty messed up. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it seemed that Peter had Pitt-Hopkins syndrome, a condition causing lack of speech, seizures, distinct facial features, difficulty breathing, and intellectual challenges. Um, other medical conclusions for werewolves, lycanthropy, a psychological condition, uh, condition where you think you're changing into a wolf or another animal. 
like lycan coming from lycaon from the Greek, the guy yeah. who was turning wolf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Food poisoning, hypertrichosis. You just got the shit, so you think you turned into a werewolf. <laughs> hypertrichosis, a genetic disorder causing excessive hair growth, rabies, or hallucinations, likely by herbs. Yep. Uh, that's werewolves. Wow. Yeah. I like that one. It's good, hey? Yeah, it's, as I was going through, I was like, ooh, ooh, yeah. ooh. It kind of speaks to, like, this inner animal within you, yeah. and it kind of could be like, like, for all those crazy, disgusting criminals that you spoke about, Yes, it could be like, that is them. They didn't, they didn't change into animals. They didn't actually do that, yes. but they overcame the humanity yeah. and became that animalistic kind of, it's, it's, exactly. it's gross at the same time. Um, I don't enjoy it. Shall we go into witches? Let's. Let's indeed. Now, I know we did a full episode on this a little while ago about the Salem, Salem witch trials. trials yeah. So <clears throat> I'm going to give you a condensed version. We'll okay, say. please do. So the concept of witchcraft and the belief in its ex, uh, ex, sorry existence wow, uh, <laughs> has persisted throughout recorded history. They have been present or central at various times and in many diverse forms among cultures and religions worldwide, mm-hmm. including both primitive and highly advanced cultures. Okay. And they also continue to have an important role in many cultures today. Right. Historically, the predominant concept of witchcraft in the Western world derives from the Old Testament laws against witchcraft. Similar to what you said before, it comes from the Bible and, and oh, telling through the Bible. I didn't realize it was that old. Yeah, and entered the mainstream when belief in witchcraft gained church approval in the early modern period. It is a theosophical conflict between good and evil where witchcraft was generally evil and often associated with the devil and the devil worship. Right. This culminated in deaths, torture, and scapegoating, and many years of large-scale witch trials, witch hunts, especially in Protestant Europe, before largely ceasing during the European Age of Enlightenment. Some popular movies involving witches uh, and different depictions include Hocus Pocus. The best Halloween movie of all time. Hocus Pocus. Hands down. Hocus Pocus. Yep. Um, Harry Potter. Uh huh. Into the Woods, The Wizard of Oz, Enchanted, Snow White, Cinderella, Bewitched, Blair Witch Project, The Last Witch Hunter, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Maleficent, The Witches of Eastwick, and many, many, many more. Yes. Each one depicts and taps into a particular part of witches that history has painted for us. Hmm. With this, witches have been very prominent in history through religious prosecutions and pop culture movies slash literature. For this... It does not surprise me at all that witches are an integral part of our Halloween tradition. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So that was the little Cole's notes of witches. Obviously, you can go further into why witches were prosecuted and where it all came from. from Mostly sexism. Most Exactly. Mostly sexism. So now let's go into a bit of fun. Hit me with the fun, Jeff. We're going to hit some fun. So we're going to have 10 questions. They are true or bullshit. Wait, what do you mean? How is a question bullshit? Well, uh, sorry, I'm going to give a statement. Oh, okay. And it's going to be like a true or false. Oh, okay. But instead, it's true and bullshit. Okay. True or bullshit, okay? Um, belief in witchcraft continues to be present today in Tanzania, where about 500 older women are murdered each year following accusations of witchcraft or accusations of being a witch. Say the country again? Tanzania. I'm going to call it bullshit because I don't think that's a country. A, it's a country. Okay. B, it's friggin' true. Oh, no, Jeff. I'm sorry, oh, but you're wrong. Where is it? Tanzania? I, I'm, I'm uncertain. 
I thought you were trying to say Tasmanian. You just like stuttered. No. <laughs> <laughs> Tanzania. Okay. Now also, let's also be very clear about something. These truths that I got are just things that I've yeah, it's a quick yes. it's a quick Google search. It's a quick yeah. Google search. Also, like you could be like, "Now, Jeff, that's not true." It's, it's on that average article is from nineteen ninety-seven. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, number two, Hermione, the infamous Harry Potter character's name was a name for a few different Roman royal figures, most of whom were also draconian. In King Arthur legends, one of Arthur's rivals was the Roman politician Hermione Tiberius. The name could also be another Shakespearean reference. Hermione is a character in Julius Caesar who is allied with Brutus in his plot to kill the emperor. True. True? False. Evan, you suck. (laughs) It is false. The name in reference is Lucius. Um... (laughs) Mm-hmm. Nice try, though. But Hermione did come from something. Hermione is, in Greek baby names, the meaning of the name is well-born uh, or stone. Uh, it's a feminine name derived from Hermes. Mm. Uh, the Greek mythology, Hermione was the daughter of King Menelaus of Sparta and was Helen she? of Troy. Well done, Hermione. Look at you. You suck by... No, well... I got you with truth and bullshit. Yep. Question number three. How many of these are there? Ten. Yikes. You got to pass. Yeah. That's 50. On June 1962, the first to be tried for witchcraft in Salem during the Salem witch trial was Bridget Bishop. No, I did this. So. I know. That's why I'm... That's false. It's true. No, it's not. <laughs> it is. The first one tried was Bridget Bishop. <laughs> oh, man. Question number... I don't even remember her name at all coming I, up. I know. Question number she four. She was to be tried. So maybe it's like she wasn't significant in some way or something. She was only the first. No, no, no. But like not the first to be like, she was the first to be tried for it. I don't know. I don't know. For some reason, that name is not ringing a bell, but go on. Okay. Well, question three, number three, four. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Evan explains the Salem witch trials during episode 12. Corink? Oh, God. When I did the Salem Witch Trials, you did. See, I knew this would trip you up. Oh, God. It was definitely in the early teens that we did Salem Witch Trials. Yeah, it definitely was. That is factual. Yep. Whether it was 12. Mm -hmm. Could have been 11. Could have been 13. Episode's name was Corink. Which is in reference to your topic. I remember that much. Like that, the, that was yep. like somebody's last name or something. Yep. I'll agree with you. I'm going to say bullshit. It's true. Oh my God, Jeff. <laughs> so what did you do that episode? I can't remember either. Oh, Jeff. <laughs> oh, man. You have to get this one right. This is number five? This is number, well, you don't have to, but if you get this one wrong, then you have to get the other five right. Right. Heinrich Kramer and Jacob Springer in 1748 wrote Minus Celsius and was known as the best-known treatise on witchcraft. At the time, it was the second most sold book of all time, second only to the Bible. Who wrote it? Uh, Heinrich Kramer and Jacob Springer. Jacob Springer. I don't know why I tried to make that name. <laughs> True. It, the, they wrote it, but it wasn't the second most best-selling book. I, listen, they did write a book. But they wrote it in 1486. It wasn't in 1748. And it wasn't called Minus Celsius, which was a popular song by 
um, uh, by by backyard babies. Okay. Um, from Guitar Hero Three. Okay. Um, <laughs> it was actually called Malleus Maleficarum. In yeah. In fourteen eighty six. Yeah. So, I don't like, know why. Like, yeah. But yeah, I should have known. When soon as you said minus Celsius, I'm like, uh, yeah. that's not about witches. But then I was like, I focused on them, them, and I was like. I do remember reading about the guys who wrote the book. Mm, they wrote a book, and it was a very famous book, and it's pretty well where all this kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, because one of the guys during the Sin of Witch Trials like had the book. Yeah, and, yeah. and it was it was it was um, how to identify them, how to prosecute yeah. them, how to yeah. get information, and then yeah. how to kill them and ensure that they didn't do yeah. other things. Yeah, and it became like the Bible of witchcraft of, yeah. or how to prosecute them. Um, but yeah, it was that was a, that was a little cheeky no, of me. Um, I got enough wrong, like there was enough wrong in it that I don't. Yeah, accept it. like I even tried to say minus Celsius. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. no. Which it was funny because when I was reading it, and yeah, I was just going, changing a date, I'd be like, "Yeah, I'm going to take that one." Yeah, but it was no. like Malleus Maleficarum. I was like, the only thing I could think of was that silly old song from Guitar Hero Three. I was just singing it in my head, and I was like, "Is this song based on this?" And I googled it. I was like, "Nope, it's minus Celsius." <laughs> I was like, "If I'm that much of a dumbass, Evan will be too." Yeah, and you weren't one. Hmm. Number six. Okay. Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code. The Da Vinci Code. The Da Vinci Code um, is one of the purveyors of erroneous hype, stating the church burned at the stake an astounding five million women. Was the statement true or false? Is it true that they said it in the Da Vinci Code or is it true that it actually happened? Uh, true that it actually happened. Over the course of forever? Uh, I don't have that answer. I'm going to say false. That is correct. The answer is false. Okay. Can you guess, the, or not guess, the, I'll give you, I will retract one of your wrong answers and give you a, a check if you can actually guess the accurate amount of prosecuted to death. How, by how close? Mm, they're pretty like even numbers, so like, like pretty on the ball. Okay, so the amount of witches who were killed by the church. That's yep. what I'm guessing. Prosecuted and then accused and then executed. Two numbers. <laughs> I mean, I bet it's a lot. Between the years, I'll, I'll help you. 1482 and 1782. So 300 years. 50,000. 50,000 what? What? Wh- there, I asked for two numbers. One of how many people were actually prosecuted and then how many were executed. What? I have to tell you two numbers to get a check mark. Yeah. Okay. So 50,000 were executed. Okay. And how many were prosecuted? More than that. Um, I feel like most of them were killed. So I'm going to say like 70,000. Wow. Close. Around 100 people, 100, sorry, 100,000 people across Europe were accused of witchcraft. Yeah. And some 40 to 50,000 were executed. Wow. So well done on the 50,000. Disgusting how 50,000 people within 300 years were yeah. executed for witchcraft. And also, that's half of them. Yep. 50% were just executed for witchcraft. Yep. It also said accused. So maybe I should have been a little bit more polite in saying prosecuted. Prosecuted implies they were tried and found guilty of. Well, not even just tr- not or just tried and found innocent, but true. Yeah, um, but accused. See, is, I think you yeah. did very well. So I will Thanks. retract. Maybe okay. We'll see how we'll, well see. you do. Okay. If you get forty percent, I'll give you fifty percent. Okay. But if you get fifty, I'm not giving you sixty. Okay. Okay. Wicca 
is a more common used phrase for today's common witch. It is uh, designed to be more feminine-based and not uh, incredibly sexist towards women. In 2008, Trinity College in Connecticut completed a census stating that there were 340,000 practitioners. Of witchcraft. Of Wicca. Which is which is witchcraft, which but may as well be a lighter name for it in yeah. the world. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. I think that's true. That is correct. <laughs> Yay! Well done. Uh, Hocus Pocus, yes, a famous Hollywood film that centers around the Sanderson sisters, yeah. also shares a significant set piece with one other famous TV show: Parks and Recreation, Friends, or Seinfeld. A significant set piece. Set piece. Can you tell me what the set piece is? No, because it will 100% give it away. Is it the White House? I'm not telling you because it will give it away. Well, I can't think of any other set piece in the thing that's significant. Fun fact about that. Sure. um, Mallory, I played with Mallory Johnson on Friday night, and she had a status that day of her walking in front of the White House from Hocus Pocus. And she's like, if you don't know what house this is, you can't be my friend. And I was no. like, I know what house it is. And also, we should do put a spell on you tonight. Oh. And she was like, you should do put a spell on you tonight. And I did. And it was really good. I bet you did. Yeah, it was Proud really you, good. Buddy. Um, so what, what were the options? Seinfeld, Friends, and what? Parks and Rec. I think Parks and Rec. Oh, wait. Is it true or false? Or do I have to well, guess no, which I, one? you had to choose one of those three. Oh. Yeah, so you chose Parks and Rec. Yeah. Yeah, that is incorrect. Okay. Uh, the actual TV show is Friends. Okay. And is the water fountain at the beginning of the Friends theme song? Is they the water dance fountain? Found, they dance in front of In it front of the they, high school. When they think the Sanderson sisters were killed. In fact, it was not. The same water fountain is shared between two things. Whoa. Yeah. So is that on a set? That's a set piece. Well, like, I think it's an actual fountain somewhere. Oh, it is a location. I on, think it's so. an on location. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure, but it is right. a shared thing. Cool. Yeah. Question number nine Joan of Arc was burned to death in 1431 after being accused of heresy and witchcraft. Correct. Well, true as much as history yeah. allows. Yeah. Cool. Um, last question. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's all down to this. If I get this, I get the 50% because it would be 40 plus 10. That's correct. And that equals 50 because of math. Mm. The witch king of Angmar. Oh, oh God. One of the nine Nazgul. Okay. The nine Nazgul were elvish kings, gifted rings of power from Sauron to deceive them into an eternity of service and obedience. True or false? One of the words you said in that sentence didn't sound like a word. Oh. the wi- Well, I mean, it's all from friggin' Lord of the Rings. So. No, no, no. But like, it, wasn't, it was one of the words that should be a word. Oh. The witch king of Angmar yeah. was one of the nine Nazgul. Yeah. The nine Nazgul were elvish kings gifted rings of power from Sauron to deceive them into an eternity of service and obedience. It was the word deceive that the first thing you said I didn't get. Sorry. Um, True or false? I think almost all of it is right, but I think something in there is in there to throw me off. Like what? Like they weren't elvish kings. They were something else kings or something. Ooh. Or I'm going to say false. Are you sure? Yep. You were correct. Yay! So what was the part? <laughs> You're right. They weren't elvish kings. What were they? Men. They were men. I thought they were they men. They were nine men who above all else wanted power. Desired power. Yay! 
but your mom complained to the teacher so he bumped you up to 50 it came up the rear (sighs) okay so to to wrap it all up (laughs) ghosties so ghosts are like there's just a lot of ghosts so I like I just anyway, that doesn't matter. I'll get into it. So ghosts are without a doubt like the most widespread believed supernatural paranormal being globally. Absolutely. Um mostly stemming from a religious basis. Everyone has opinions about what happens when we die. Yeah. Not to mention the amount of resurrections or raising from the dead that occurs in the Bible and other religious texts. Yes. It's really only natural for people to start thinking that ghosts exist. In a poll last year, 45% of Americans believe in ghosts. Wow, that is a sh- I have two things about this. Go on. One, that is a shockingly high percentage, uh-huh. but also how many people answer census? How many people do that? That's another discussion. There are two types of people. One that say, no, I do not have enough time to take this call. And two say, I have had nothing to do for the last three weeks. This is my opportunity to talk to someone. Yeah. And they're the kind of people who, statistically speaking, 45% of still somehow believe in ghosts. Yeah, maybe. I mean, depends on how good the poll is. They try and get a, a wide margin. 2016 Canadian poll because we always just do American shit. Yeah. Because, but anyway, so I was like, anyway, they asked Canadians whether they think people who die with unfinished business sometimes become ghosts. 30% said yes. Mm, a little bit lower. As expected. Uh, I'm going to get to the here's what probably happened first, and then I'm going to tell you some real life ghost stories. Ooh. So, first, most of this is just like your brain falling down on the job. Great. So, number one, dreaming with your eyes open. Like, most times when people see ghosts. Is when oh, I, thought, I thought you meant you were explaining the last two episodes that we just had. No, no, no. <laughs> Amazing. No. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. So, I'm just going to explain, like, here's what probably happened instead of you seeing a ghost. Um, one, dreaming with your eyes open. Or yep. sleep paralysis. You think you're awake, but what you're experiencing are hallucinations. The brain messes up the process of falling asleep or waking, wherein you stop dreaming before you completely wake up. Yep. Um, Self-explanatory. Yep. Waking misperceptions or hallucinations. When you feel like your phone buzz in your pocket, but there's no message. Oh, I get those ghost vibrations yep. all of the time. Or you heard someone calling your name, but no one did call your name. Or you um, you see a face in the clouds. Or in a mountain. Or in a bowl of mashed potatoes. It doesn't matter. But like you see, you're like, that looks like a face. <laughs> um, there are some people who may contribute these misperceptions to spirits or ghosts. Yep. What happens is known as, I wrote this phonetically, pareidolia. Pareidolia. Hmm. Most of the time, I had to repeat it because I was like, yeah, I got it. Yeah. Most of the time, there's way too much stuff coming at your brain through all your senses. Yep. Paying attention to all of it would overwhelm you, so your brain picks out the most important stuff and fills in the rest. I think you've told me this in another episode. I think I did. Also, yeah. similar to the Jesus on the piece of toast. Yeah. Yeah. It did look like Jesus. Who's kidding who? Mm, your brain had too much to do. Always. The vast majority of your perception is your brain filling in gaps that aren't there. Yep. What you see right now isn't what's actually out there. It's a picture painted for you based on signals captured by your brain. Sometimes the brain adds things that aren't there. No. Nope. It's why if someone says, do you see the face in the mountain? Or did you hear the ghostly voice in the video say those words? Once you're told what to expect, your brain will put them in. And you'll go, yeah, I do see the face in the mountain. And also, he said, look at Jesus on the toast. Or whatever. Right? <laughs> So ghosts are, of course, spirits of the dead who visit family members or walk among us or are tied to a ge- ge- geographical location or, like, tied in Jimmy Tong. And yeah, I was going <laughs> to say he hang on tight to that one. Um, like a haunted house. Uh, there are endless details and descriptions of ghosts and spirits throughout different religions and cultures. We'd have to die and come back as ghosts in order to get through reading it all. <laughs> so that was your Cole's notes. Thank you. Now I have two spooky stories for you. Ooh, Strangely enough, they both have to do with dolls. 
Okay, I I don't want to hear them. I'm going to tell you them. <laughs> oh. uh, only because all of the ones that were like haunted houses or this, it was just like someone was murdered in this house. They're probably haunting the house. But it was all like just like none of it was like it wasn't a good story. Okay. It was just like a fact about the murder house. But somehow the dolls are what you're leaning on right oh, now. They're good stories. You are sincerely intending to scare me. This is a ghouly, scary little spooky episode. We'll start we'll have like a dun, 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 underneath both of these stories. <laughs> yeah. So creepy dolls, lighting. always a thing, but typically they're like Victorian dolls. Yep. So this family in Houston owned an Elsa doll from like Frozen. Like let it go. Let it go. Like toss it out the window, let it go. Yeah, which they should have. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was gifted to them for Christmas. The doll recited phrases from the movie and sang let it go when you pushed a button on its necklace. I already hate it. I already hate this. I already hate this. For two years, it did this in English. Then it started alternating between English and Spanish. Oh. But there was no button that changed the language. It was entirely random. Sure. After six years, the family had never changed the doll's batteries. The doll would randomly speak and sing even when switched off. Which is like, sure, the on and off switch doesn't end the circuit or whatever. Uh-huh. Like th- That circuit thing is now broken. Who cares? So finally, they throw the doll out in 2019. They later find it inside a bench in their living room. At this time, Elsa no longer sang in English. She sang only in Spanish. The family then double-bagged the doll, placed it at the bottom of their garbage, which was taken out on garbage day. They went on a trip later that week. In the, week, in the next week, they came home, dolls in the backyard. Then they shipped the doll to a friend in Minnesota who taped it to the hood of his 18-wheeler, and that is where she is to this day. <laughs> <laughs> True story. <laughs> but, like, why Spanish? So... I mean, like the doll. I'm sure there are Spanish versions of the Elsa doll. Yes, but uh, like, I think, I think, logistically speaking, like the sound box inside could have a little switch or a dial, being like Spanish, English, right. French, like the obvious languages. Like right. in America, where it's probably manufactured, but it's and switched, produced for it's switched by the manufacturer inside or whatever. Exactly. So they're like they would yeah. all produce the same one doll. Yeah. But it was come time to ship, they go. Yeah. Put the sound box in, yeah. and then like tape it shut. Yes. But it was just malfunctioning. The box was malfunctioning. Yes. But why did the doll keep coming back? Do you know why? Because the husband was an asshole, and he knew that the wife was freaking out. And every time they double bagged and put it in the bottom, he would go and take it out and put yeah, it in the back. I mean, maybe he was a but, funny story, but scary. I don't like it. The best part was the eighteen wheeler. <laughs> okay, I know. Fun. Here's another doll story, but it's a local one. Oh. This story was published in the Telegram in 2013. Uh, Judy Ryan, her partner, and her four sons moved into a home in the East Meadows neighborhood in the east end of St. John's. The house built in the 70s. Where's East Meadows neighborhood? Must be around here if it's the, in the east end. Um, so East Meadows is over by, you know where the Lawtons is, by like the Wendy's and stuff? Yes. In and around there. I thought it was called Wedgwood Park. That is what it's called, yep. <laughs> okay. So it's not there. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, that's where they live. Built well, in the 70s. Uh, as an ordinary home in a nice neighborhood, but the son started to notice strange things happening with this doll. So Julian, 17, made this small yellow doll in home ec class. And he usually stored it in his nightstand. Like, that's just where he put, like, you know, I made this in school, whatever. It's going in my nightstand in the drawer. It kept ending up on his pillow. And so the mom goes into the room because Julian's freaked out. And he's like, I'm not going down there. The doll's on the bed. When she goes down there, the doll isn't on the bed. So she's like moving the blankets, throwing the blankets around, can't find the doll. It was back in the drawer. Immediately, she just gets these shivers. She's like, first, it's like, I'm, maybe he's messing with me, but she doesn't feel like, like he's not the type of kid to prank. Like he's never been a pranker. And he appears to be genuinely freaked out. He's like, I'm not going down there, mom. Yeah. 
So she sort of like gets like the willies. She gets this feeling come over. She moves the doll into another room of the house that they use as a library. Later, she goes to put the seven-year-old to bed. The doll was on her pillow on her bed. She took the doll again and hid it somewhere and didn't tell either of the kids where she put it because she's like, I'm confirming now that no one's messing with me. Yeah. I'm not telling anybody where I'm putting this doll. So she went back downstairs. She put it in some like place that's like a secret thing in her closet. Not secret, but like, you know, where her bras are or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> so like the kids aren't going rooting. When she went back downstairs, the doll was in front of Julian's bedroom door. Julian wasn't home, but when he arrived home and went to his bedroom, the lamps were tipped over and his skateboard was perched on top of the flat screen TV, just like resting like precariously on top of the flat screen TV. The other son, Adrian, 14, frequently said in the house he felt like he was being followed and has heard the handle on his closet jiggle. And he's also heard tapping on the main floor overnight. In Julian's room, numerous family members have heard um, static coming from the radio when the radio was turned off. And the basement always has a constant chill. Even if they blast the heat, it never really gets warm. I mean, like, welcome to St. John's, Yeah. first of all. Also, like, is it warm compared to you, or is it warm compared to the person who's been sitting there for an hour? <laughs> Did you yeah. check what the thermostat said? Yeah. Is it a digital thermostat, or is it an analog yeah. thermostat? Did you go for a run earlier? Are you physically active? Right. A day plus or five minus five degrees. Um, so they contacted a psychic, which is, like, where the story takes a downward turn. Yeah. But still, it's it's... Kind of good. So they kind of like it's like who said that there were actually two girls in the house. One is three and one is seven. One is looking for her father. The other one is fooling around with the youngsters, says the psychic about the ghosts. Oh. The psychic said the spirits were about 70 years old, even though the house had only been there, um, had been there since the 70s. Um, she believed the spirits followed them from somewhere else. She thinks the father may have died during World War II and the two children um, uh, also died around the same time, but for some reason are separated from the father. And that's why they're like got their unfinished business or whatever. That's why they're lingering. Sure. They can't find their father in the afterlife. So one's looking, the other one's being like, "You go on, look. I'm gonna go figure out with the boys." Yeah. Don't like that story. So how did it end? Did they move? Nope. They stayed in the house. Of course they did. Yeah. Is it still haunted? I don't know. There wasn't like a follow up article, but like it just said like you know they decided to stay in the house and they just like there are some weird things every now and then, but they stuck around. I mean, no one was getting like slits across their arms while they were sleeping and stuff like that. Shall we call them? I mean, we could. We've got their first and last name in the article. And we know generally where they live. Yeah. Well, we don't. We don't know where East Meadows is. I'm sure we, we can drive around it. to East End for a while. <laughs> uh, but yeah, spooky. That is very spooky. Yeah. Uh, I don't like it. No, I don't like, I don't like it either. No, that stuff kind of scares me. Yeah. There was a point of time when uh, I thought my house was haunted. So your, Tor- when, your Torbay house? Yep. Yeah. So when we moved in, it's a very like spacious open house. Like that. Did your parents build that house? Yeah. So when Dad like built the grounds the house, were haunted. Maybe. But when he built the house, like everything was hardwood. Like there was there was nothing like warm and inviting. Right. Um, and all the ceilings were very high, so everything yes. echoed. Still does. You it called still, me the other day from your parents' house. I'm like, you're at your parents' house, right? And you're like, Yeah, yeah. I, like, I can hear you echoing. <laughs> yeah, everything was just very boomy. So yeah. like um and you were down in the basement like once many more times than once but yeah do you remember like kind of the structure of it it's yep. this long strip of hallway yeah big room on your right your big... bedroom is on the end exactly yeah so to go into the room to the right it's yeah. almost like you would turn to the right and you would see like the room but to get to the room it was like a full u-turn yes like you'd ha- yeah, like yes. a hard hard, hard yeah, right yeah, yeah. to get in and the light switch was just inside the right. Oh, yeah. So oftentimes I'd be running down, doing whatever I'm doing, and there would be a trail. And each time you'd hit the different part of the trail, like the stairs, to the beginning of the hallway, to the end of the hallway, to the room, there's four light switches. Yeah. Hit one, it lights your way. Hit the other, hit the other. Hit, each time you hit a set of lights. Yeah. 
And I'm running down the hall. And of course, just, you know, muscle memory, hit, 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 hit. And I would run around on the inside and I'd smack the wall as I'm running in. The light would turn on and I would go play Xbox. Yeah. And there was a couple of instances where yeah. I would run in and I'd miss the light. Right. But the light from the other end of the hall would shine in. And I swore there was at least at least two times. Yeah. I would run around the corner, miss the light, and I swear I saw a little girl. Oh, Jeff, no. Oh, no. I swear I saw a little girl, and it scared the living shit out of me. Oh, I don't like that at all. And a combination of me karate chopping the wall, trying to then hit the light and like yeah. shit my pants and running back up. Yeah. One time I hit the light, nothing there. Yeah. And then um, the second time, didn't even bother going for the light. Full on Scooby Doo ran out, and that was it. <laughs> didn't go down there for like three weeks. Yeah. But each time going down, now I go down and I reach my arm around the corner and yeah. hit the light before going in. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh no! Didn't Thank like you. it. Nope. Don't like that at all. Didn't like it. Um. Yeah. No, I don't have anything to say about that. that no, that it's just not enjoyable. Out. Yeah, it's not enjoyable. Uh. Uh-uh. But lights are scary. Like thing, you know, it's like. The 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 dark is a scary place. The dark is a scary place. It's right? just uh, it's just the unknown. What's the unknown? The it's unknown. like when you like wake up in the middle of the night, like and like there's a noise, and you're like, I could have heard that noise seventeen times today, and it didn't even register me. But right nope. now in this moment, I'm like, what's that noise? Why is that noise? Similar to like being half asleep, half awake, hearing yeah. something, not quite registering what it is. Yeah. I think I told the story of my golf clubs on one of the episodes. Did I talk about that? Mm, rings a bell but also you tell me stories that you don't always say here so who's to say okay well i'll tell it and if we ended up telling it so like similar yeah someone breaking into houses and stuff yeah yeah we did talk about this early 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 yeah but like my golf clubs were in the new golf bag yeah they fell the driver hit the ground and i full-on thought someone broke in yeah yeah that was that was a big one oh yeah okay well now i'm freaked out which yep. I guess is like sort of the point. It's kind of the point. So this is launching on the Thursday before Halloween. 29th? I'm checking now. It will be yeah, the 29th. Halloween's a Saturday. So, Which uh, I think Halloween is also the um, time fallback or whatever. It, fall. it, well, the next day, like from the 31st to the 1st, yeah. is where we lose an hour. Yeah. So I just want to say, everyone be safe. Go out trick-or-treating. Have lots of fun. Uh, don't eat candy apples with the razor blades. Or don't eat apples from strangers' houses. Yeah. Any baked goods, don't eat them. No, don't eat don't them. Don't even take them. Just be like, no, thanks. I'll take the Snickers, though. No, thanks. I'll have the yeah. COVID, please. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we are continuing our trend of send-in episodes. We have lots more coming in, so we appreciate that. Uh, we also just got our T-shirts in. So for anyone who has not received their T-shirt from the pre-order, we are distribute distributing them shortly yep please go and follow us at instagram facebook uh comment share and tell us all the things that you love about the podcast write a review tell us what you think please do that please do it uh and also of course as jeff said if you want to send something in send it to info.splaining at gmail.com we hope you got scared this week and if you didn't there's always halloween That's like door creaky? No, it's a little, more, a little more like a dolphin. Like a, a <laughs> or dead a seal. dying seal. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>